Amazing how four words can really lift your soul. Just saying, you are good, you are good, oh, oh, you are good. How good is God? And um, we're thankful that God is so good to us and um, that he would give us a place to meet here and a blessing like Joe to, to play and people like you to pray with and, and be family with. Um, we're in the book of Acts. Can you believe it? We've left the, the Gospel of John, and we're now entering the Acts of the Apostles. And in your bulletin, you should have received a, um, an overview of the book of Acts. Um, it's not extensive. It's kind of a general overview. And uh, I took a quote from a old-time gospel preacher, a guy by the name of Albert Barnes, and he's from the late 1800s, early 1900s. And um, I'm going to read it to you because it's, it was just astounding, just uh, the depth that he, uh, he wrote about it. It says, within 30 years, A.D. 33 to 62, the Acts of the Apostles had settled the point that it would overturn every bloody altar, close every pagan temple, bring under its influence everywhere the men of office, rank, and power, and that the banners of faith would soon stream from the palaces of the Caesars. All of this would be accomplished by the acts of only a few men called by God. They neither had wealth, armies, nor allies, with the exception of Paul, they were men without religious learning. They were taught only by the Holy Spirit, armed only with the power of God, victorious only because Christ was their captain. And the world acknowledged the presence of these messengers of God Most High and the inexcusable power of the gospel. Its success has never been and never can be associated for by any other supposition than that God attained it. And if the Christian religion be not true, the change brought about by these apostles is the most inexplicable, mysterious, and wonderful event that has ever been witnessed in the world. Their success will stand to the end of time as an argument of truth of the scheme will ever go onward um, will ever go onward it'll confound the skeptic and will sustain the Christian with the assured belief that this is a religion which has proceeded from the Almighty and from the infinitely benevolent God Albert Barnes and this is so true because a work of this magnitude from 11 12 disciples in this region of paganism and uh, uh, hedonists in Rome where the, it was all about self and fulfilling your desires. Uh, how could you come and preach a gospel of selflessness? How could you come and preach a gospel of meekness and humility when there was such pride and arrogance at that time? Well, the meek shall inherit the earth and the meek are the ones that have the power and the authority, but they work in humility. That is a true meek person. And Jesus, being the meekest man, 
on the planet next to Moses, he um, laid aside his deity and became a man for us and died so that we could have his power and his strength to overcome. And the book of Acts is all about overcoming and being self-denying and benevolent. And it's interesting, the um, author of the book of Acts is the doctor, the apostle Luke. And he wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. And um, the amazing thing about Luke is um, it was all his account, the book of Luke, is that account was all about Jesus, all about the acts of Jesus. And the book of Acts is all about the acts of the disciples and the apostles of Christ. And um, there's an interesting uh, point in this, um, uh, all these points, I think it's the, uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, it's about the seventh one down. It says it in, it, it, uh, the book of Acts um, of the Apostles contains a record of the organization of the church, um, and then it throws important light on the epistles. Uh, it is a connection between the Gospels and the other parts of the New Testament, and it contains unanswerable evidence of the truth of Christianity. It is a reliable eyewitness record of its early triumphs. And in this book, we have many striking and impressive illustrations of what the gospel is fitted to produce, to make men of God who are self-denying and benevolent. And you can look through that later as we get deeper into the book of Acts, but uh, the point being is that God came down to save mankind. God came, gave his life so, so that we could have life. And these 12 men emulated Christ. Um, 12 minus 1, Judas, but we add Paul back in, and, and we get 12 again, and we have um, the apostle appointed out of time, and he wrote one-third of the, or two-thirds of the whole New Testament, but um, the fact that we have a doctor who was very meticulous about the humanity of his writing in Luke, um, if we look at, read the book of Luke and you read the book of Acts, all about humanity and, and how um, God reached mankind. And it's such a connection and a bond of, of God to earth through Christ, um, through his humanity. And um, I love that about Luke. And he was, um, he was accomplished in, in many things. Um, but the one thing he desired was to be accomplished in serving others and leading others to Christ. And he did a great job. So we're in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, and the title of the message is Wait for the Promise. And isn't it interesting, on Thursday night we're in the book of Genesis and we're talking about the promise of um, the rainbow, that God will never flood the earth again. And dovetailed, pun intended, into that, we have the book of Acts talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit coming. And um, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting how the Lord kind of lines up uh, our messages uh, just to encourage us and to strengthen us. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, 
of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For truly John baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the time or season which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I like saying to the uttermost parts of the world. And I'm going to stop there in verse 8 for just today. And if we go back in verse 1, uh, Luke's, when he says, the former account I made, what he means is, is that he wrote the book of Luke. His first writing was the book of Luke. So when he says the former account, O Theophilus, he's writing in my book of Luke, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. So he's kind of giving you uh, what I did, and now here's what's coming. And I thought it was pretty cool in, uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, if we can kind of connect um, Luke's writings to the book of Acts. It says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. And so, isn't that a, that's his first book in Luke, and he's writing to Theophilus, and I started to look up, well, what, what is Theophilus? And I didn't have to go very far to look it up. I said, Theo, you know, theologian, that's God, right? And then we just got, on Thursday, we were talking about love and, um, and Philadelphia, right? Phileo. So I put it together, and uh, you have Theophilus, the love of God, or the lover of God uh, is what Theophilus means. And um, he was a Christian, and based on the title that um, are given to him in some other gospels and other writings, he was probably a Roman officer. And um, Luke dedicated both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts to Theophilus. And not much is known about Theophilus other than the fact that uh, uh, the title Most Excellent is used by Paul when addressing uh, Festus 
or Felix, I'm sorry, Felix in Acts 23, verse 26. And verse, chapter 24, verse 3. And then also Festus in Acts 26, verse 25. Um, so we conclude that if Paul is addressing these two Roman guards as most excellent, then most likely Theophilus was a Roman guard. And um, isn't it amazing how God reaches the Gentile in, uh, it's almost like, reminds me of Joseph, when uh, Joseph got thrown in jail and he reached a, a guard, right? He, and um, uh, he became second only to Pharaoh because he was used by God in a jail. And um, it's interesting how God can use jail ministries <laughs> or, or people who are in the hardest places uh, to bring um, the most amazing responses to life because life is not just about eating, drinking, and marrying. And it's, it's about Jesus Christ and who he is and where we came from and where we're going and what his plan is. And that's the glorious thing we have is to find out the plan he has for our lives and coming to church and reading the word and getting into Bible studies and praying and seeking his face. That's how we, that's how we find his will. And um, his will is great. His will is amazing. So Theophilus is the lover of God. And um, when it says in verse 1, of all that Jesus began to both uh, do and to teach, um, the book of Luke um, gives the account of Jesus written in approximately A.D. 58 to A.D. 60. And then also here are the book of Acts written approximately A.D. 64 to A.D. 65. And um, you can see on that timeline kind of how that works out. Uh, verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. And um, Jesus refers to the ascension of Jesus Christ. Um, and for note takers, that's in Mark 16, verse 19 and 20. And then Acts 1, verse 9. And then if we could turn to uh, Luke 24, verse 49, I'm going to read um, a little bit about Jesus being taken up. Kind of cool how, how the Lord gave a, um, earlier, he gave a, um, what was it, the transfiguration on the mount. So Jesus gave a little, a little bit of a showing of his glory and who he was. And then Peter was saying, oh, we got to make a, uh, we got to make an altar for Elijah and the prophet here. Are you done? They're like, for knowing Elijah. And then immediately they disappeared, right? And then, then it's Jesus only. And, um, and the thing about man is we, get, we so want to put God in a box. We so want to put sometimes his ways in a box. Like, oh, this is how I did it, and this is how I got through this season. And I made it through, and God was faithful, and he really blessed me. And now I want to take that, and I'm going to apply it to this new season. And it, it, it doesn't work. It, God's different every time. And he does that to keep us on our heels in prayer, and close to him, really, um, so that we don't, um, so don't, we don't fall. I mean, think about walking. Walking is actually falling forward, right? 
uh, literally, we f each step we take is a fall forward, and we're catching ourselves each time we step. And if we're f if we're not walking, we're f we're going we're either going backwards or we're standing still. So if we're not walking, we're actually falling or we're we're dying. We we need to move forward. And uh, I love how I'm I'm skipping in my brain all these different places with like Peter. Like he always took the first step. He always jumped into the to the Lord first, or we always blew it first. We always made the big, biggest mistake, but the biggest glory. And as we're going to see here, Peter, pretty soon, he's going to be um, most used in the book of Acts the first time because he actually took those first steps of faith and he went for it, even though he failed sometimes. But then Jesus restored him. So in Luke 24, verse 49, it says, um, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So Jesus is saying, wait there in Jerusalem. In verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. And um, that's a powerful testimony that Jesus is God. Jesus Christ is God because they, they worshiped him and they praised God and they honored him. And um, just one word from Jesus can give us so much strength and so much power and so much authority that um, sometimes we don't even know what to do with it but how do we get that one word? Um, and that's kind of the, like the hard part sometimes when the cares of this world weigh us down, the snares and, and the tares and the wheat, you know, the, all the stuff that entangle our lives and choke us, like this tie is choking me. It chokes us and we can't breathe, like the Holy Spirit breathing out, and then we can't hear, and then we don't know what that word is. And there is a, I love how Pastor Chuck talks a word for, the word for today. That was his radio title, right? So what is the word for today? And the word for today actually is wait. Wait for the promise. The word for Thursday was hold on to the promise. So we're holding on and we're waiting. We're holding on and we're waiting. Hold and wait. Hold and wait. God is faithful. He loves us. He's not going to leave us begging bread. He's not going to abandon us. He loves us. Hold on and wait. The Holy Spirit always brings glory to Jesus Christ. And there, when he talks about in verse, um, in verse 49 about being endued with power from on high in the book of Luke chapter 24, that's talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And um, when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus Christ always gets the glory. So if you walk into a church or you walk into a home group or you walk into your own life and Jesus Christ is not getting the glory, the Holy Spirit is not present usually. Jesus Christ always needs to get the glory. So remember that when we, even when we do our daily lives, our daily tasks, our daily things, are we giving glory and praise to Jesus Christ? 
and allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through us because it's a two-handed thing. We give glory to Jesus, the Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit shows up, we give glory to Jesus. It's just a, it's a constant thing, and it's a beautiful relationship we have with God as we learn to work out our salvation and, and grow in him. So back to Acts chapter 1, verse 3. So Jesus um, presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus appeared multiple times to his disciples and gave them many proofs to strengthen their faith. Um, in Matthew 17, you know, 1 verse 9, I spoke about that earlier, about how he was transfigured on the mount with Moses and Elijah. And, you know, Peter was there, and I think Peter was the one that said, oh, we've got to make an altar for Moses and Elijah. And, and then, uh, you know, immediately they disappeared because that was not the one to give glory to. And, um, but Jesus was giving a, a glimpse of the glory to come and a glimpse of what was coming and so that they could have the faith to get through it and to hold on and to wait and in john 20 verse 27 uh, he appeared again to his disciples showing thomas's hands and his side remember he showed the palms and side to thomas because thomas was doubting and um do not be unbelieving but believing and then thomas goes my lord and my god at that time so when he saw it and he felt it, he goes, oh, that's Jesus, that's my Lord and my God. And, and then Jesus said, blessed are those who believe yet haven't seen. And then in John 21, verse 1, um, on last Sunday we learned on the, uh, the, the Sea of Tiberias, he performed that miracle of the 153 fish with the nets not breaking. Uh, just to show, uh, just another little, okay, guys, just another tidbit of, I'm with you, I'm who I say I am, and what I said was, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send my comforter to you, trust my words. So they had to keep holding on, and they had to keep uh, trusting. And in um, John 20, verse 22, Jesus literally breathed on his disciples to receive the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 15, 6, um, Jesus was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses is an account. So if you're in a court of law and you have two witnesses and they don't differ, you usually have a, a rock-solid case. Uh, 500 witnesses and it's slam dunk. I mean, come on. You know, that's just, that's absolutely Jesus rose from the dead. And we have proof, text, historical evidence, writings, manuscripts, all that history it's a beautiful thing. So back to um, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, and this is Jesus talking, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So Jesus is saying, remember this, okay? Remember, don't leave Jerusalem and wait so go to this place and wait for the promise. It's coming. And you know what? We have so many promises from God that we, we sometimes don't even hold on to. We don't even know about because 
We haven't even searched the scriptures. We haven't gone, gone in and found out what are those promises. And when we're in our worst point or when we're in our best point, even, sometimes it's, it's better to seek God. Not better. Sometimes it um, takes more faith to seek God when we're doing really good. Like we're doing really good. Everything's going fine. To not forget him, right? And not just neglect him and not neglect searching the scriptures. But when things get really bad, oh, I need help now, oh, then we start seeking God. But that's okay. God is a God of love. He wants us to seek him whether we're down and out or we're up and in. It doesn't matter. God loves us. And that's his point of the, the Gospels, is to show his love for mankind. And then the point of the book of Acts is to show how God can use man to love mankind. And um, God is using these disciples, these 12, to turn the whole world right side up. Have you heard it? They turned it upside down. Well, the earth was already upside down before Jesus came, and I think he came and turned it right side up. And so um, I flipped that in my own mind. But um, So we're commanded not to depart from Jerusalem, and we're going to wait for the promise. So let's get into that mindset. We're all here uh, at Calvary Chapel, La Costa Hills. And what is the promise to our church? What is the promise to our hearts? What is the promise here? You know, we know he's never going to leave us or forsake us. We know it's his will that we seek him early because Jesus was on the, the, remember he fed him fish early last week? Um, it, we know all the good things. We want to bless others. We want to help others. We want to be here to help each other. And we want mainly for people to come to know him uh, through our love for one another. So the Bible says that the world will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another here in our church. And this will help us to grow in Christ. And then we may grow in numbers. We may shrink in numbers. But we know we're doing what we're supposed to do. And the numbers don't matter. It's the hearts that matter. And that's the main thing of the gospel of Christ. And Jesus didn't have 1,200 disciples. He had 12. Right? So... Let's go after his model. And I'm not looking at a church of 12. I'm not looking at a church of 12,000. I'm looking at hearts. And I'm hopefully I'm seeing what the Lord's wanting me to see. And um, it's a good thing. And you guys are awesome. God is so good. Um, what a blessing. So in verse 5, so, so John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Another promise. Holy Spirit's coming, guys. Just hold on. Remember how John baptized, and he was so faithful, and I love how he looked up on the, the cliffs around uh, the Jordan where he was baptizing, and he saw, the, he saw the, uh, the chief priests and the Pharisees standing up there in their robes looking down all pompous, and he goes, brood of vipers, you know, who are you guys to, you know, you come down here and be saved, you know, come down here and be baptized, and they wouldn't come. You know, because they had their, their pomp and their religion, and they thought they were okay with God. And um, um, I love how he called it out strong and hard. And then Jesus came meek and mild. So that, that's usually what God will do sometimes. When you, when you see a person coming to you, and they're, they're hard, rock hard and strong, sometimes you need to be an absolute iron curtain that they can't break through because you're standing for God. But then it'll take a few, if you're humble and you're, and you're sensitive to the, God, to the Lord, you're going you're gonna to wait. 
And in a few days or weeks or however long you're dealing with this person, then you're going to go soft and mild with the gospel, with truth and mercy and love. Strong and then soft. There's, there's two sides to everything. And so we don't want to be weak. Weak is not meek. Put it that way. You know, Meek is strong, but having control with humility. And um, that's how people are reached, is to love the love of God. I think the goodness of God. I think we're talking about how good God is in the song. That's what leads men to repentance. Um, goodness. So they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They're good, they got this amazing promise that the third person in the Trinity is going to descend from heaven. So why would two-thirds of the deity have to come to save man? You know, and even the Father enthroned in heaven. I mean, he even came down and said, Behold, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased when Jesus was baptized and then the Holy Spirit came, and those three are one. But why did it take two-thirds of, of the Trinity to come down when only one-third of the angels rebelled? Because man is three is two times worse than the angels. You know, in, in, I, I'm, I'm making conjecture here. It's very interesting because I was looking in, um, I think it's in the book of Jeremiah, that um, the human heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And um, that means above even Satan. Above all things is all things in the Hebrew. So I think, wow, our potential is so wicked and so bad and so ornery and so sinful that it took two-thirds of the Godhead to come to save mankind. And um, I just love God. I love that he would humble himself so much to, to love us so much to come down and do that. Um, would we give up two-thirds of our life? So we have 30 years left remaining to live on this earth, and I'm going to give up 20 of those years to save the world. Yes, I think Knowing what I know now, I would do that, but not before. You know, before I knew the Lord, no way. It was all about me surfing and just getting as many waves as I could get. That was it. That was my life. And, um, and hopefully now it's about um, loving as many people as I can love. And um, chapter uh, 1, verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. Now they're thinking in their minds again. They're not thinking in the spirit. They're thinking about, oh great, we're going to build this kingdom up here on earth and we're going to be the rulers with you and you're going you're gonna to be the king and we're going to be your, your, you know, your captains and things. And they're thinking with their brains again. They're not, and didn't Jesus said, just wait, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. Shouldn't they just shut up and waited? Yes, Lord. And <laughs> just wait. They would have got the Holy Spirit, but, but they had to think. And, um, and Jesus, in his meekness and humility, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't make them feel bad or, con you know, silly about saying that like I did. But Jesus has the, uh, the mildness, and he says to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put into his own authority. But here's the answer. You shall receive power, dunamis in the Greek, dynamite power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the 
of the earth. And that is an absolute perfect plan for human, um, our, our, uh, for human life, for our church, for, for any planning. Start small and work out. Don't start big and go small. I've seen so many companies go public and get public money and branch out so big that they can't sustain it, and then the market drops, and then they fall over and tumble, and they go bankrupt. That's just talking on an earthly mon money term, but if we talk about our spiritual side, let's not get saved and then go to Zimbabwe in one week and go try to save people of the language we don't know, right? That's not the point. We work here. Our Jerusalem is our own backyard. So if our Jerusalem is our neighbor, our block, our city, our county could be our uh, Judea, our Samaria could be our state, and then the uttermost could be the world, right? So um, sometimes we get way, way ahead of what God really wants or where he wants us to be, which is good, like Peter did that. It can be good at times, but we have to, we have to reel it back with the word and with prayer and, um, and be sensitive to where he wants us at that given time. And the power is in surrender. The dunamis power of Jesus Christ breathing on us the Holy Spirit that Holy Spirit power is in our surrender. And to the point or the, the amount of surrendered lives that we have is the amount of strength and power he'll give us. And we'll, be, we'll, become, we'll become meeker, not weaker. <laughs> so we'll, get, we'll become more meek, more, more uh, strong, but we'll have more power and we'll actually be able to speak a word like Jesus would speak one word and reach deep into your heart. And if Jesus were here, he could probably just say one word and the whole uh, congregation would be on their face because he's so mild and meek and surrendered. He surrendered all. God became a man. And so the fact that you're not all, all laying down prostrate right now and I said a word means maybe I need to be more surrendered. <laughs> and maybe we all do, right, in, in our own ways. And it's not a condemning thing. This is, this is a life-building thing where we're growing in Christ. And so may we all surrender to his authority. May we all surrender to his power. And may, uh, may um, he work through us and receive the glory. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about Jesus ascending into heaven, uh, the day of Pentecost, and the um, uh, book of Acts is just a, an amazing, amazing time. Is Joe here? Joe? Yeah, you want to grab him real quick? Have him come up. Um, so that's the book of the Acts, chapter 1 through 8, and um, Lord, bless your word, Father, as we've just... Um, gone through a few scriptures, Lord, gone through a, f a few um, pieces of meaty pieces, Lord God, where we really have to kind of ponder our, our own hearts and ponder our own actions and, and our intents, Lord. And, and Lord, you use your word to discern the thoughts and our intents and, and reveal to us, God, who we are and where we are with you. And, 
And what a blessing it is, God, to know you. And so I pray right now, Lord, if um, there's anyone out in the congregation that would just like to say this prayer with me, I know for my sake, I want to be more surrendered, Lord. I want to have more of you, and I want to know you more. So, Father, I, we come before you. Just repeat this prayer if, you're, if it's your heart. Father, forgive me of not being fully surrendered. Take my life, and may you use it for your glory, Lord. God, there's areas of my heart that I haven't fully surrendered to you. And I give it to you now, and I ask that you would help me by the Holy Spirit, that dunamis power, Lord, to surrender that area or those areas, that you may be Lord of Lords, King of Kings, enthroned in every area, every compartment of my heart, my life, so that, God, others may be blessed, that I would receive your love, your power, your joy to give to others, Lord, as you have given to me. So, Lord, Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for opening my eyes to the areas of the, my life that you want. In Jesus' name, amen. You will save 